Crime Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content on this show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys, and welcome to Crime Wives. <laughs> Someday I'll say it better, <laughs> but that's all you guys get now. You, you say it great, you say it great. Yeah. How's it going? Good. Yeah. But just so you guys know, I'm Destiny. <laughs> and I'm Ronica. <laughs> um, so about me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going good. It's going good. I mean, I had my wedding dress fitting, my first one, that apparently is going to be one of at least four. Four. Yeah, that's what happens when you get them. Oh, when you have an all-black dress. Hi, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so when there's customization. Yes. It. Also, my dress is not all black. Yeah. Or is it? question mark only one way for him to find out that's very true i went and saw rocket man oh oh my god is it i've heard so many mixed reviews but i loved it did you ever see across the universe no okay i was gonna ask if it's similar because it's it, honestly so somebody told me it has it's nothing like bohemian rhapsody oh yeah no no but like the plot is like there's certain things where i'm like this literally the plot line uh-huh. is kind of like very similar i don't know enough about um i cannot think of his name <laughs> not elton john yes sir jesus. elton john <laughs> jesus you couldn't think of hocus pocus i couldn't <sighs> think of elton john we obviously don't forget things around here <laughs> yeah never absolutely not i don't know en- enough about his time like his like life Gotcha. Personal life, so I don't know what the, where the parallels would be. Well, yeah. I mean, once you watch the movie, you'll definitely see, like, the cert- certain things that are, like, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's relationships that were similar. Just things like that. But no spoilers here. Don't worry. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously very different lifestyle. Like, life. Did, they, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously very different. But music. <laughs> but great music. Either way. Well, me and Jules, so me and Jules took our moms. Oh, yes. So we went on like a little mommy date. Jules is my man of honor, if anyone's mm-hmm. wondering. Um, so yeah, we just went on a little date with our mamas. And then I, I leave to Chicago in like a week. I'm doing a golf tournament tomorrow for work. Oh, yeah. So I have to be up at like, you already know this because I'm like. The butt <laughs> crack of dawn. <laughs> I'm going to be up at like 5.30 just to get ready. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Some people do that regularly. We're like, nope. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, they're like, uh, that's when I get up to work out. I'm like, no, yes. Nancy. I'm so I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm still in bed, okay? Yes. Um, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy, whoever you are. Me and Alex went to the beach the beach last weekend. Oh, yes. Um, we went to the casino. This guy, <laughs> this lovely human, wakes me up at 6 in the morning. You said that. I'm like, for what purpose? I never even asked you why. No. And he's like, hey, uh, get up. We're going to go home. And I was like, right now? It, it's six in the morning. Like, we we went to the casino and everything the night before. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got like six hours of sleep. And he's like, I already watered the flowers. Like, I'm ready to go. Oh, shoot. And okay. And I was like, okay. I smell like a bar, but sure. <laughs> he's like, I am still last night me. I'm not this morning me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, update on Francisco. (gasps) Yes, you said you're going to, and I forgot to remind you. Yes. (laughs) So, Francisco, for anyone that hasn't listened to a previous episode, and this is your first episode, you should probably tell them who Francisco is. Yes, definitely. So, Francisco gave my number to Marion County. Which is the county we live in. (laughs) Yeah. Multnomah County Courts. Oh. Yeah, so multiple. So, he's wanted in a lot of places. Yeah, I was getting these calls. I was getting these calls. 
And I literally got a call, and it, I think it was last week, and I meant to tell you last week. And they're like, if you don't show up by 4 o'clock today, you're going to have a warrant for your arrest. Were you like, jeez, Francisco, where are like, you? A, Francisco, get your life together. B, <laughs> that's what you get for giving somebody my number. <laughs> like, screw you, dude. Yeah. Also, saw a crazy Florida crime. This guy had cocaine in his nose. Uh-oh. And then he was like... It's not mine. <laughs> Did he say that the he wind said, blew it there? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I didn't read. I meant to read, read the story, but I just saw it. And I was like, you're... F- My brother-in-law now, anytime something random, I don't... We But we both use the... I don't know. Maybe the wind blew it in through the car window. This cocaine is not mine. <laughs> we both. Is, I'm sorry, officer. We live in Oregon. It's a very windy state. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just a little summary of my week. What about you? I mean, I'm just planning for Disneyland and I am in my head. I don't, I don't leave for two more weeks. In my head, I'm on vacation. Um, I saw you packing. You sent me a oh, Snapchat. Is yeah. it too soon? And I, I, was, I wanted to respond. It was actually yes. me just doing my laundry. Oh. <laughs> I was, it's not, it's definitely not packed. I was like, but, I know you're excited, but yeah. wrong. But I put like all my outfits in the area that I was going to wear. I mean, all the things that I wanted to wear, I needed to find them so I could do laundry. Yeah. And then I got them all out of the laundry and I put them on. I was like. <laughs> kind of looks like I'm about to leave. <laughs> so I'm about to go. Yeah, but um, I definitely am very excited. And I just plan for Disneyland and whatever trips we're going on this. Some of them are just my own trips I'm going on and some are with Trav. And so I'm just friggin' stoked for summer to start. Oh, yeah. So am I. I'm, I'm not distressed. Yeah. I'm... I also am... I need air conditioning in my house <laughs> so bad. And um, yesterday was our first hot day. Yeah, that makes two of us. Yeah. 100%. And I was just, I was a new level of grumpy. And you, I'm the type of person when I'm a grumpy person, I am I will be in the middle of saying something to you and I know I'm grumpy. And like right afterwards, I'll be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not me. It's my grumpiness. Or it's I need food or whatever. I just went, <clears throat> yesterday. poor Travis, <laughs> that kind, <laughs> kind man. <laughs> Who doesn't listen to this, so he won't know that I'm saying a nice thing about him. But I was a new level of... I was like, I'm not making dinner. I'm, I'm not making... We're leaving. We're going somewhere. <laughs> we need to go somewhere that... I kept saying we need to go somewhere that had air conditioned. And then we got somewhere and there was no air Oh, no. And I was not happy. So that's not really an update. That's me saying I need an air conditioner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Because I'm stoked for summer, but I am not stoked for this heat. <laughs> I know, Well, and I'm like, who has a pool? Yes. Um, oh, I'm, I... I, I am going to be ordering one that just is, it's a like a blowy up one, but it's for adults. Yeah, is it like three feet? Oh, yeah. And it's for adults. It's got chairs. I live with you now. Yeah. Yeah, Yes, you do. I will be over every day. Well, yeah. And so I have this recently. Sorry. I'm going back to me real quick. I have noticed I'm full blown wedding. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have to apologize for going. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And I'm straight wedding right now because I'm stressed as a mofo. Well, I knew that you would be a also if you need help. B, hi. <laughs> uh, well, we're not going to probably see each other for like two weeks. Yeah, the next two weeks. And it's, you're going to be gone anyways. So whatever wedding stuff you can do from afar, do that. Uh, well, I'm going to try to find my shoes uh-huh. in Chicago. Oh, good luck. Just remember, high crime rate, stay close, have a buddy. Oh my God. So funny <laughs> part of that is I asked my boss, I was like, so you going to bring your Louie? And she was like, uh, 
I don't want to get mugged. And I was like, 100% accurate. We're going to be in Chicago. You're Do right. not bring your Louis Vuitton. No, absolutely no name brands. Sorry, Chicago. Well, and then she's like, I'll just bring my Dooney and Burke. And I was like, <laughs> someone mean, somewhere might still want to steal that. Yeah, I mean, more than they're going to want to steal my probably like $10 bag from wherever <laughs> I got it. So, whatever. And this has been Chatting with Ronica and Destiny. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Okay, back to you. <laughs> But I'm done. That was it for me. I need air conditioner and I'm going to Disneyland. That's the end. And you're grumpy when you... And I, I'm grumpy when I'm sweaty. That's what it comes and to. And probably hungry. Yes. Also that. Headache. <laughs> it was all bad. It was all bad. It was not a good thing. Yeah. Today, sorry, Travis. Yeah. Sorry. So I am so sorry, Travis. And I woke up today and it was like breezy and the windows were open and I was like, oh, I can already tell it's a better day. <laughs> I felt like a terrible person. But also, it's hot. It was really hot. Yeah, it is. So I'm not that sorry about it. <laughs> not sorry, but like also, it's not sorry. your fault. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the heat's not Travis's fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's the end. <laughs> so what are you going to be talking about this week? Okay, so this is one I have truly never heard of before, so I'm stoked about it. Yay. Most of the ones that I've covered on my end I've never heard before, but this one was like, I couldn't find much about it, but it's it seemed... um what I felt kind of like, I don't know the word would be glamorous murder, but kind of one of those, they would probably do a movie about this and it'd probably be a movie that I'd watch. Okay. Okay. Well, actually, <laughs> there's a movie mentioned in the middle of this, so that's probably why I would watch this <laughs> <laughs> So this is about um, Ted Maher. Have you ever heard of him? I have not. His, his my, last name might be Marr. But I'm going to call him Maher because there's an H in the middle of his name. I could definitely, And I did not Google how to pronounce this. So, okay. So, it was early morning on December 3rd, 1999. Every time I say a year, I have to think about how old I was. I was nine years old and it was, it was almost Christmas. Wherever I was, I was stoked. Right. Anyways, back to the story, away from myself. <laughs> okay, so a woman by the name of Heidi Maher sat with her two young children, Amber and Ian Maher, while her husband, their father, Ted Maher, was away at work, almost 4,000 miles away. Around this time, Heidi received a call from her sister. What's Ted Boss's name? Her sister asked. Why? She replied. So her sister then goes on to tell her that she is watching TV and there was a breaking news about a fire that had taken place. She said, essentially what she said was there was something to do with a billionaire and a fire, and a nurse had died. And from what she understood, the nurse was her husband, Ted. Oh, wow. So her first thought was, dear God, Ted died. Yeah. However, Heidi Maher, Ted's third wife, which I don't know why I put that right here, that that's who she is. But anyways, this is his third wife. Okay. <laughs> and um, eventually she gets in contact with people um, and finds out that her husband did not die. Um, he wasn't the nurse that the um, headlines were explaining or the media was talking about. Ted Maher was, in fact, alive and recovering from two stab wounds in a hospital in Monaco. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he is in Monaco as a nurse, employed, really far away. Yeah, why? Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the nurse that had died that the media referred to was a nurse named Vivian Torrente. Okay, so <laughs> she was the nurse that the media was talking about. She had um, passed away in the fire, and the fire had also claimed the life of a 17-year-old banker named Ed Edmund Safra, who was also a well-known billionaire. So, How old was he? 67. 
Oh, I thought you said like 17 or 16 oh, or something. Oh, no, no. I was like, damn. In 1999. Doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. This is an el- No, not elderly. An older man. Okay, okay. 67. He is a billionaire in Monaco. Um, The deaf... The deaths... Oh, my gosh. There's not an F in the word death. <laughs> the deaths made international headlines. Safra was one of the world's richest and most powerful men. The Jewish philanthropist died from carbon monoxide fumes created by the fire that gutted the upper floors of his very luxurious penthouse apartment, where Safra and his wife, Lily, dubbed the Gilded Lily by the European press, which is why I laughed, (laughs) because it's silly, Um, lived in where, uh, where they lived together in Monaco. So, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm going to mansplain you where Monaco is. Okay. <laughs> it's just south of France on the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sea. Okay. There. Some early news accounts hailed Ted Maher as a hero. From the smallest weekly newspapers upstate New York, which is where he was from, which is where his wife lived, mm-hmm. um, and also in the London area, the tabloids and the media outlets worldwide were reporting that the former Special Forces Green Beret gave Edmund Safra and Tarante his telephone, cell phone, sorry, and told them to hide from masked intruders who attacked him. Maher then stumbled into the lobby, bleeding, and reported of two masked intruders that attacked him with a knife on the fifth floor. Okay. So there's, here's what's, there's that. But don't worry, you're going to learn more of what's going on. I have a, I had a feeling. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, the story started unraveling with a much different storyline. Three days after the fire, Monaco's chief prosecutor announced that Ted Maher, the male nurse, might not be the hero in this tale after all. I knew it! (laughs) Sorry, I just had to say it. I was like, well, there's a reason why we're talking about him. Yeah. Okay. So, and I know I almost called this something else just so it'd be like, but no, it's about him. (laughs) So here's what took place. Firstly, to make this make more sense, and I'm going to explain what he was doing in Monaco so far away from his family Thank in you the first place. so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for hanging in. While working as a registered nurse at the neonatal, sorry, neonatal unit at the Columbia Medical Center, Ted Maher found a camera left behind in a discharge patient's room and had the film developed. The camera's owners was Laura and Harry Slatkin, We're obviously um, very grateful to retrieve the photographs because it had pictures of their newborn twins. They also thought these pictures were going somewhere else. Oh no! Oh no! No, he was nursed. They left their they left their camera there. Which who leaves a whole freaking camera? I don't know. But they left their camera, and he develops the pictures, realizes who it is somehow i don't know yeah and then delivers the camera and the pictures back to him to them and eventually i'm assuming they just get some sort of relationship is established their relationship is not mentioned in any way so i just added that some sort of relationship had to have been established between the two of them because at some point harry slatkin offered ted a quote job of a lifetime Shortly after this, uh, Maher interviewed with the personal assistant to Edmund Safra, who was required, um, or sorry, who required private nursing um, for Parkinson's. So Edmund Safra had Parkinson's, had a fleet of nurses taking care of him. Oh, okay. He was obviously also a billionaire, 
So essentially, Ted found a rich person's camera, and that rich person's camera got him another job working for an even richer person who had Parkinson's. So that would be a nice job. Yeah. Uh, according to his wife, the Safras liked that Ted was an ex-Green Beret and thought that he could be both a bodyguard and a nurse. But based off of his appearance, he looked a lot like the guy, the character in its... He looks like the real-life version of the cartoon version of the guy from Atlantis. So, Milo? Milo. Milo. If you've never seen Atlantis, he's got blonde hair, he's got sunken eyes, he's got very pointed... That's what this guy looked like. He looks like Milo from Atlantis. Okay. So, okay. eventually they offer him a job, and uh, the contract is for $600 a day. <laughs> Wow. This obviously was more money than he'd ever made in his life. Uh, But the stipulation was that he had to start right away. So I'm assuming how it went down was that he went home, said, hey, I was offered the job to his wife. And she was like, oh, that's so far away. He's like, for $600 a day. And she was like, bye. Here's your bags. You're gone. (laughs) I actually haven't packed already. So Um, the other thing that he says, or the reason that he gives for why he did it is, um, he says that he had a lot of legal bills mounting up. So now we're going to go back to the night of the fire. The first indication of trouble at the Safra's home was at, and keep note of the timeline here. Okay. Uh, first sign of trouble at the Safra's home was at 4.49 a.m. on December 3rd, 1999, when an automated fire alarm report was received by a private monitoring system. Um, so I don't think there's any camera situation. I think there's some, um, just, they're just some sort of fire alarm. So anyways. Okay. A short time later, police were called from the building concierge when Maher stumbled into the lobby bleeding, saying that intruders had attacked him on the fifth floor. At 5 a.m., Vivian Tarante, who was the other nurse, um, used the cell phone that Maher had given her to frantically ask a friend to call the police. And the friend is actually the head nurse that works there. Okay, okay. Okay, so she calls her and says, me and Safra are hiding in the locked dressing room because there's intruders and we're on the sixth floor in the 20-room duplex apartment. A 20-room duplex apartment? 20-room First of all, it's 20 rooms, but it's also a duplex, duplex apartment. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking like, uh, oh my God, Gossip Girl again. Oh, here we are. <laughs> Back to the show <laughs> I've, I've never seen. It's just so nice. And yeah. there's just so nice. And I'm thinking like the concierge and oh, like yeah. everything. And I'm like, uh, okay. Yes. A 20 room duplex. I mean, that's, that's and one man that I'm, I'm, him and his wife live there. That's all. I guess they've got seven nurses on staff. So they all, what, they all live there. I'm yeah. sure. Still 20 rooms. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, okay, Anyways. so seven nurses, which means, okay, we still have 13 rooms. Yeah. We're fine. We got this. There's just a lot of room situations. They better have a bowling alley. I bet they didn't. <laughs> Whatever. So. <laughs> Wasting that money then. Exactly. I'm sure he does, had lots of other things to do with his money. Anywho. <laughs> The first emergency service workers arrived at 5, arrived before 5.30 a.m., but police, believing that intruders might still be inside, insisted that the residents be searched thoroughly before firefighters were allowed in. So the firefighters were there, but they were just like, sorry, you can't go in. They were held off until 6.15 a.m. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, by that point, the fire was obviously raging. 
Access to the super-secure penthouse became a problem in the confusion. Although Safra's butler was there and had keys, Safra's security chief officer, oh, I'm sorry, security chief offered keys too, uh, but was briefly handcuffed by police officers who essentially didn't know who was a good person and who was a possible intruder at this point. So just chaos on top of chaos. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yes. So... Flames spread from the nursing station to the attic and then to other parts of the residence. Essentially, it was everywhere. Authorities believed that Safra and Tarante were overcome by carbon monoxide from the air ducts at about 6.30 a.m., so about 15 minutes after the firefighters were actually let in. Oh, wow. But what's even more crazy is that they weren't discovered until... Um, they weren't discovered, and they were obviously at this point deceased, until 7.45 a.m. So Safra was found seated in a red armchair, and Toronto was curled up on the leopard skin carpet right next to him. So uh, basically, if the cops, or if they would have let the firefighters through, they might have been able to save them. That's the assumption. And I mean, maybe. Yeah. I, it's 15 minutes of time is a lot of time, but also... That's when they died, and it still took them uh, over an hour to get through and to them. So, yeah, yeah, who knows? But yes, more would they have maybe been safe? Yes, I think I think it's safe to say they might have lived. They might have. Like you can't be like, oh yeah, like you totally would have. Yeah, it's a fucking huge ass, huge, huge ass. house, twenty bedrooms. <laughs> so. No, no. Duplex apartment, Veronica, yes. not even a house. On the fifth floor. It's just it's just so much. So, Edmund Safra, for obvious reasons, was a bit of a paranoid man. My assumption from reading the story that is that he anticipated some kind of attack uh, due to the high levels of money that he obtained. He surrounded himself with bodyguards and double-paned glass, and at some point it's even noted that firefighters couldn't penetrate those windows, and that Safra may have been a victim of his own obsession with security. So, obviously, he thought something that, like, this could happen um, and planned for it. However, it almost worked backwards for him, Yeah, I think. So... Well, he's, like, kind of worried about the outside and yeah. not what was going on in the and inside. Not, yeah, he's more worried about how to stay in and not let anyone in and not how to get out quickly. So, noted for when I become a billionaire. <laughs> okay. Both in and out. Um, well, I know somebody that has a safe room. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's, like, upstairs, like, in a very back corner. Oh, that's and weird. Like, I don't think my safe room, my safe room would be, there would be an exit. Yeah. But only I could get exit from upstairs. the safe room. Like, I'm, yeah, it's, like, upstairs, like, in the very, like, deep corner. Is there a window in it? No. Oh. So they can't even, like, flee if they need to? No. Oh, yeah, they're... I mean, to each their own, but I will probably not have double-paned glass, I'm assuming, but who knows? When I become a billionaire, I might have different needs. I'll just make sure... No, I don't even know. I can't even... Yeah. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Just... Just internally cry. Yes, I can't even imagine. That's, that's so many rooms. That's so much money. What do you do with it? This guy bought a lot of glass. A six-month investigation is finally done by two court-approved fire experts, and they did suggest that, without specifically saying so, that Safra and his nurse might still be alive if not for the elaborate security arrangements and decisions made at the time by, well, the the decisions made by the police, and my response to that was, duh, uh, <laughs> because the fire was reported at 5 a.m., and firefighters weren't allowed in until 6.15? 
Question mark? Yeah. So I did a quick break, just a little quick breakdown of the night only because I went through and told the whole story. So here's just a quick breakdown of the night. 4.49 a.m. Monitoring station detects fire alarm from Safra's apartment. 5 a.m. Dialing the cell phone Maher gave her. So she uses a cell phone. Tarante uses a cell phone. Calls head nurse Sonia Casillo. Cassiano. (laughs) From Safra's dressing room to ask her to call police. She informs Cassiano that Maher is injured, and five more calls are made back to Cassiano during the next 90 minutes. Probably like, hi, why aren't we being helped? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm assuming. But... Just a little bit. I wonder if they, oh, did they get into, like, if they explained to her, like, sorry, they're not letting anybody go in. Cause... Probably. <laughs> so she probably knew that, yeah. I would oh. be like, we're let, we're, still here hi please uh so i'm gonna keep calling you. and they probably were instructing her the uh, which mm, the they're probably telling her stay in there stay in there we don't know if there's intruders yeah so this would be a hard movie to make (laughs) because i'd be sad all the time (laughs) but next part 5 12 the first police officers arrive in the lobby of the building police begin organizing a floor by floor search for intruders 5.20 a.m., Maher is transported to the Princess Grace Hospital for treatment of his stab wounds. Uh, 5.24 a.m., passersby and neighbors begin flooding emergency phone lines with reports of smoke um, coming from the building. 5.30, Tarante makes fourth call to the casino from the cell phone. I'm sorry. (laughs) To... (laughs) Cassiano! They really want to go to the casino. My brain is... My... Vegas trained brain cannot see those letters together and be like, that's casino. It's definitely a casino. We'll go to the casino. <laughs> yeah. There's one extra letter in there. My brain, nope, exit right out. That's casino. Okay. Tarante makes fourth call to Cassiano from the cell phone. She does not mention any smoke, and Safra appears calm but requests police intervention. He's probably like, hello, just like she is. I'm sure she's like, no, we're totally fine. We're I'd just, be like, we don't want to die. Uh, yeah. And he's like, ah! I'd be like, I have a bill. I'll give you all a million yeah. if you let everyone like, do in Do you here. know how important I am? <laughs> so, I will pay you. Yes. A Lannister always pays their debt. <laughs> so, 6.15 a.m., firefighters begin battling the blaze. 6.30, Tarante, losing consciousness, makes her sixth and final call from the cell phone. Safra is heard coughing in the background. So, <clears throat> they're 6.30. So, that's why they're pronounced dead at that time. So 7.45 a.m., firefighters gain access to the locked dressing room on the top floor of the penthouse and then discover the bodies of Edmund Safra and Vivian Tarante. So they had a lot of space to cover before they even finally found them. Immediately after this, no one else that I'm aware of is questioned or detained. Maher is arrested. So he's their main guy. So um, Maher claimed that two intruders gained access to the apartment and that he had fought them off, receiving stab wounds. He informed the other nurse, Vivian Tarante, of the assailants and had given her his cell phone to call for help. I don't, this is how the story goes, but I don't know why he didn't just call, but uh, I guess he stabbed. He had been stabbed, so maybe he's like, go, go, which you would think it would be like opposite, like the stabbed guy is gonna go nine one one. Well, but also the stabbed guy maybe goes while the other one goes and tries to find help. Yes. Well, right. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey. So, 
He ordered her to take Edmund Safra into the secure dressing room while he went into the nearby nursing station, where he lit toilet paper in a trash basket to set off the smoke alarm. For what? I don't... They're like, well, I'm in an emergency. I'm going to cause another emergency. I know how to get help. (laughs) The only thing that I keep thinking is maybe he understood the confinement situation they were in was like, I know, a fire. That's definitely a way to get people to come in because of the high security that we're under. I don't know. Whatever. We'll find out more. And by we, I mean you. Can I also ask like one question? Because he was obviously (laughs) stabbed Mm -hmm. and then like was out. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they all just go out? I don't know. Because there was intruders? Well, <laughs> well, 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 well. Actually, I think that it, this... Okay. Okay. So, Maher then made his way, bleeding, and he kept saying that he was feeling faint, downstairs to the lobby of the building to get help. But while police and firemen... Fireman? Firemen got to the building, they didn't go in for uh, Edmund and Vivian until it was too late. As we know. However, that's, you know, that's the story that he gave. So the story then develops a few days later. On December 7th, Monaco's chief prosecutor, Daniel Suradet, announced that Maher had confessed to starting a fire to, quote, and this is the chief prosecutor's quote, draw attention to himself because he was, quote, jealous of Mr. Safra's seven other nurses. I don't know that jealousy is the right word, but this is this guy. This Jealous. is the... so was he like in love with him? No, no. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. I know it would make it way juicier if he was in love with him. But... I'm like, what about his wife? <laughs> You're like, I do like this movie. <laughs> okay, so no, he wasn't in love with him. He is, according to the chief prosecutor, he just used a weird word here. Jealous of Mr. Safra's. Other seven nurses. In addition, his stab wounds had been self-inflicted, is what they eventually figured out. I knew it was going to happen. F this guy. Mm, Yeah. So Maher had slashed himself twice with his own switchblade. Once in the thigh and once in the stomach to corroborate his story about the intruders. If someone, if at any point I ever need to convince somebody and I have to stab myself, I'm probably not going to do it in my leg to try and convince people that someone stabbed me. I'm just uh, throwing that no. out there. I like, mean, waist up for sure. Yeah, stomach, definitely. Maybe my own face. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jesus. <laughs> I, just, I just thought about where I would stab she someone. She just, like, motioned stabbing herself in the face, and I was like, oh, my God. Why are, wh- who, who am I here with? <laughs> Alex leaves me in the house alone with you. Jesus. And I'm like, no, no, we'll stab myself in the face. <laughs> um, no, I was just, in my brain, picturing where I would stab someone if I had intruders i would totally do shoulders oh like, right duh. oh meat face doink 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 in the face bye i'm safe you can't see bye like if you're trying to kill somebody like jugular. absolutely but if no, you're I trying to fake you're a jugular of course you are <laughs> of course you got <laughs> you did carotid artery bye <laughs> that's, that's destiny don't make her mad <laughs> okay miss i stabbed myself in the face <laughs> if i needed to prove my innocence okay <laughs> this is after, for after this, for me and not going to jail. After I committed this crime, and I, so if she ever gets arrested and she's she stabbed I in the face. For a billionaire. <laughs> and I get stabbed in the face, it was myself. It was well. Okay, so. But I will delete this podcast before, during that time. <laughs> yes, yes, you will. So eventually, obviously, this case goes to trial. 
And Ted Maher believes um, in his mind that he's being railroaded, or, you know, so he says. So he asks his wife not to attend the trial. Um, his reasoning is that they have three children to care for and that she's working double shifts at a hospital. I don't know if she's another nurse, but it says with, oh, <laughs> with other nurses. But again, I don't know that she, I'm assuming she was a nurse yeah. by that statement. But none of them actually know who she is or how she's, that she's in any way married to him. I don't know how they keep her identity Oh, gotcha. So but, maybe she had, maybe she like had a different last name and oh, like how no, you, no. you, the very first sentence is Heidi Maher. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> so, like how you legally still have a different last yeah. name. Yeah. Oh, shh, shh, shh. Don't tell the people. <laughs> don't tell them. <laughs> They already know. We've talked about having to go to the social security office together. Oh, everyone um, knows. Okay. But, so he's just Somehow, being nice. He's like, no media scrutiny. Yeah. I think you. in, depends on which way you look at it. If you look at it one way, he's like, stay away. I don't want you to see them show all of my secrets and flaws. Okay. Or, you, we have three children. You're a nurse. You work far, I, you work literally 4,000 miles away. Stay there. Stay out of this. No one knows you. So either very selfish or very selfless. Yes. It, Debatable. It, that's literally <laughs> how so many murders go. <laughs> so, back in Monaco, however, the case was a sensation. It was on every single tabloid, I'm sure. During his trial, Maher confessed to setting a blaze, but said he never expected the fire to rage out of control. That the fire was part of a bizarre plan to, in some way make Safra like him more. Uh, Maher testified that he'd started the blaze in a small waste basket, expecting to set off the fire alarm, and that that would bring help. So he kind of starts to admit, mm -hmm. yeah, that he was kind of doing this as an attention ploy. Yes, he's trying, so he's finally, it's clear that he started the fire and that he can't really back himself out of that one. So mm -hmm. he's like, yes, I started the fire because the bad guys. Okay. Yes. So, on the prosecution side, they bring um, a story up that there's friction between him and uh, the head nurse that w was mentioned before that the um, that Vivian keeps trying to call. Her name is Sonia Hercar. She's technically not Ted's boss, but she did have control of the nurse's work schedule and could make their lives, um, what a lot of nurses said, difficult if she didn't like them. And it was apparently pretty well known that she did not like Maher. A quote from another nurse is that she considered Ted as just another, quote, flavor of the month, who had gotten into Safra's good graces by returning a camera a friend forgot in New York. So essentially, they're like, obvious, or according to this nurse, the head nurse, oh, this guy's just one of his favorites because he did a good deed and um, yeah. he'll be over it. Herkarth um, was allegedly responsible for the firing of about 17 other nurses previously to Maher. So for, 17? Yeah, so for pretty obvious reasons, he's like believed that she was intentionally out to get him. Yeah. Quote unquote. Um, he, he, in court, I'm assuming, um, said that she had intentionally provided him with wrong information, causing him to make mistakes that had gone unnoticed and that she would schedule him between different day and night shifts and not tell him. Um, so in his head, she's just out to get him. And so... I mean, which... Right. Could, it yeah. sounds like she might have been. Yeah, sounds she's, like she's just kind of a bitch, yeah. to be honest. 17 people? Yeah. So, yeah, she got... I mean, who and knows? And what span Maybe of time? 16, 
months? months? 16 months. So about a little over a person a month. So oh, once a month, she's God. like, I don't like you, buddy. They're like, oh, you're happy. You're making $600 a day. On too bad, you're I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. So probably. She's like, by the way, I make 12 and I'm that flavor of the ever. I'm the flavor of ever. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> So, in court, uh, the prosecution's idea is that because he was afraid to lose his job, he hatched a plan that would make it appear that he got hurt trying to save his boss's life and would become a hero on an even grander level. Oh, so it's like, oh my god, you're you're the best Samaritan, I can't ever let you go. First the camera, then now you, you saved, saved my... a billionaire. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's a very big jump. But you know, probably the level of gratitude and like ego he got just from returning a camera and then they got him this super cool job. He was, and then as soon as he felt a little bit like, um, I might lose my job. Like complacible. He's like, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. Or yeah. replaceable even. Yeah. When he's, but yes, complacent would be the right <laughs> word. Um, as soon Sorry. as he felt that way, that's when it's very clear that he's like, I can do something, which that's the story that I believe, to be honest. That's my, I believe that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and whether you believe he got stabbed on accident or. Um, <laughs> that I there were came to the conclusion yeah. that he stabbed himself. Uh huh, yeah. And they, I think they did, it doesn't say a ton about that part of the investigation, but pretty sure they concluded that. He probably stabbed himself. Yo, you bonkers. Yeah. And you stabbed yourself and then you accidentally killed a couple, or you might have, I don't know. Then you just killed a couple people. I think truly, I, yeah, I'll tell mine at the end of this what my, what my final judgment is. So, in court, a lawyer um, volunteers to represent him. The lawyer that volunteers to represent him is the same man who represents a man named Billy Hayes. Don't know if you recognize the name. I do not. When I first read it, I was like, OxyClean! <laughs> not the same guy. <laughs> Billy Hayes is the real-life version of a guy who um, the movie Midnight Express is about. I'm assuming you've never seen it. Oh, the movie. I was definitely <laughs> this whole entire time I was going for another movie, but... Yeah, no, not that one. So, <laughs> this is the lawyer that represents the guy that's in this other movie. Confusing way to at it but essentially this lawyer volunteers to represent him because he's seen a case similar okay so i'll explain why it's similar momentarily so this lawyer based their defense off of the notion that while ted did set the fire he'd never intended to harm anyone it was a stupid oh this is a quote it was a stupid most insane thing a human being can do he did not intend to kill mr safra he was or he just wanted Mr. Safra to appreciate him more. He loved Mr. Safra, and it was the best job of his life. I'm pretty sure that's a very true statement. I think that's all true. I don't... I believe. Okay. Because, like, you can still have bad intentions, and that could all still be true. So, Well, and it's honestly, like, from what you've told me, it sounds like he made... Yeah, like, you're right. He just was an idiot It was the best job it. of his life. He loved Mr. Safra, but he didn't want to lose his job. End of story. So, not the end of story quite yet. <laughs> of course, the defense also maintained that the deaths of Safra and Tarante would never have been averted um, if the police hadn't blocked the firefighters from getting in. So, they're, they're while saying he loved his job, this is the best job, also, the firefighters weren't let in, so that's the real reason that these people died. 
it uh, depends on what you want to believe. <laughs> Obviously, there was there's the prosecution in here, and so the lawyers um, for Safra argued that Maher should be judged for his actions and not his intentions, which I was like, all right. A hundred percent, yeah. I, like, okay, well. He should, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. But that's not how everyone looks at all cases. So in December of 2002, Maher was convicted in the arson deaths of Edmund Safra and Vivian Toronte and sentenced to 10 years in prison. Uh, ex- uh-huh. Uh-huh. Excuse me? Uh-huh. <laughs> The prosecution had requested 12 years in prison for Maher. Also, excuse me? <laughs> yes. But apparently, and this is, I don't understand this, but the charges carried a maximum penalty of life in prison. So, okay, I got it. Got it. Okay. On the final day of his trial, Maher called Safra the, quote, best employer I ever had and said that he did not mean to cause his death. Um, or obviously the death of the nurse. Okay, well, so? You yes. still did. I know. So he said, what's happened was was and always will be a terrible accident, reiterating earlier testimony in the hours before the verdict. So then I put a few notes before we get to the final verdict, because, duh, uh, these felt very important. So less than two months after being sentenced on January 22nd, 2003, so he's finally... 2002, December 2002 is when the final sentencings happen. And so he goes to jail two months after that, January 22nd, 2003, Ted Maher and his cellmate, an Italian who was waiting trial in Monaco as well, sawed through the bars in their cell and then using a rope made of black garbage bags, climbed out and escaped overnight. How, how, how the hell do you, how, what, what do you get in jail where you can saw something? Or, what's wrong with your jail that you can saw through it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, both. either or. Just but I'm thinking, on. like, metal, and I'm like, what the f- did you have your hands on? <laughs> right? So, some garbage bags for sure. Uh, Maher plenty made of them. It, yeah. Uh, the unfortunate part is that he makes it 15 miles to Nice, where he gets in a hotel room and starts making telephone calls with people in the U.S. These calls include his wife, his lawyer, and his priest. Probably like the top three people he shouldn't have called mm-hmm. if he wanted to stay out of jail. Yeah, no, I'm going to call... Um, I, I have no I'm idea. probably going to call I'm, you. I'm going to go to a like... shady-ass part of town. I'm going to be like, hey, yeah. I'm a criminal, and I'm I'm escaped from prison. I'm and a criminal. I'm going to go to felony flats. People are like, oh, power walk away, power walk away. <laughs> I'm going to go to, like, and, like, I don't know. I'm just going to go somewhere very dark and creepy where it seems like there might be other criminals. Like, other people might trust, yeah. yeah. Other so, people might give me up, but they also might help me. They might help you because they might understand where you've been. Yeah, I'm not going to go to a lawyer, yeah. my priest, and my nurse wife. So, for obvious reasons, they all gave him up to the police. Weird. Um, I don't know if all of them or one of them or which one, but... I would say probably, maybe not this way. Yeah. So she probably called his lawyer. (laughs) She was like, How do we do this? Are you on the phone with Ted too? (laughs) Is this a three way? (laughs) Yeah. It's night. It's it's 2003. It's a different kind of three way. It's a phone. It's like flash. Yes. (laughs) Dial the number. Oh, they answered. Okay, let me flash back. We're all here. (laughs) Okay, Ted. (laughs) So they give him up to police. um, And then the police apprehended him seven hours later. So. For anyone that has actually seen, this is where I'm bringing the movie Wait, back. 
Did you say seven? Wait. Okay, yeah. Wait. Okay. Okay. So he's out of jail for seven hours. Well, nine actually. So for anyone that has seen the movie Midnight Express, this is where the guy that I mentioned before, Billy Hayes. Billy Hayes, his lawyer's um, name is Michael Griffith. That's obviously Maher's, Ted Maher's um, lawyer as well. Yeah. So... If you've seen Midnight Express, you'll, as I was reading this part, I was like, this is pretty similar to Midnight Express. Um, there were a lot of similarities between Maher's escape and Billy Hayes' escape, who was obviously the previous client. Billy Hayes had also made a daring escape while being held in an overseas prison in 1975, so like a few years before him, but... In Hayes' case, however, he was facing life in prison for possession of hashish... AKA weed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not familiar with that term well enough. So um, he was looking at a life in prison for the possession of marijuana. And he escaped and was risking getting shot. And um, where he escaped from was a Turkish prison. And then he made his way to Greece. And eventually he got freedom. This Um, is the movie. This is the movie. (laughs) And this is... This is why this one was made into a movie, because in Maher's case, he was put back in jail um, about nine hours later. So maybe he'd seen Midnight Express before and was like, I know. I feel like a lot of things are coming into play right yeah, now. Yeah, he's like, I know. It worked for him. It'll work for me. It didn't. So he gets back in jail and then is has to serve an additional nine months for that. Oh, only nine. That's fine. Yeah, nine more. You know. Okay. On top of his freaking... Twelve. Yeah. Ten. No, ten. 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 You're right. Well, just wait. (laughs) So something else worth noting is that um, while he was imprisoned in Monaco, um, he was imprisoned for over two years before his trial even began. So not even the long trial trial process? Yes, that's correct. (laughs) Um, But two years before the trial started. So he's pissed. He's like, I shouldn't be here. I'm really mad at everyone. So, in an attempt to prove his innocence, it was reported that in early May that year, Ted went on a hunger strike to tell people, free me or I'll die, apparently. Okay. Um, So, the reports say that he stopped accepting food from his guards at the Hilltop Prison where he was being held, sustaining himself only on liquids. (laughs) He was transferred to the psychiatric wing of the Princess Grace Hospital, where he kept, or he was kept under 24-hour guard... Um, as the protest continued. So, because of this big scene that he's making, I think right here is where it just occurred to me. This guy just likes attention. He got it when he re- when he returned the camera. Um, and it, yeah. he probably was just like, this is so great. How can I get more? How can I get more? Oh, I know. I'll start a fire. <laughs> I'll stop myself. <laughs> and now I'm in jail, so I can't do anything. I'll stop eating. Like, he just needs <laughs> attention somehow. Ew. So Yes. So, his... Uh, his mom, his wife, his lawyer get on a plane, they fly to Monaco, and they try to persuade him that this wasn't helping the case. Duh! And that probably was irritating the judge who would ultimately decide his fate. Duh! duh, duh and they duh, were duh, like, duh, duh. stop it! <laughs> so, during this time, there was also some stories circulating um, that... The incident was actually a well-executed Russian mob hit due to Edmund Safra's involvement with the FBI, which truly sounds like a legit description of a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. I but, you know, it. he's a billionaire banker, um, so it could 
Ties, if you got ties with the FBI, very well that the Russian mob might want to kill you for some reason. But obviously that held no weight in court. And as they went over all of the elaborate, 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 that's what I came up with. <laughs> as they went over all of the elaborate security details that Safra had, they basically said that he had installed this home system and that an invasion would be near impossible. And I agreed. So ultimately, though he served his time, um, ultimately, though, comma, he served his time and was released in October of 2007. Wait. I'll let you do the math. Five years? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. After serving five years, he returned to the United States, and I have no recent update on where he is or what he's doing now. He's outside of my garage. He probably is. Being like, I'm going to kill you guys. Yeah. Is it getting a little warbird there? We have no good shows to like. We're If he kills us, he's not getting like anything out of it. So Yeah, until this podcast becomes uber famous because we got <laughs> killed by the guy while, it was, while we were talking about it. That is one way to get this podcast up and rolling <laughs> is to get murdered ourselves. Somebody light a fire. <laughs> Please don't. We joke about it so often that I'm really afraid it's... <laughs> Somebody's going to be like, well, they have, didn't you listen to their podcast? They, want they us, wanted this. They wanted us to do it. We don't. We don't. I we would love like our to lives. Yes. We're very happy. We're very happy talking about it and not experiencing it ourselves. 100%. Yeah, so that's the um, very elaborate story of Ted Maher. Well. And. Ted. Okay, so that was mine. <laughs> It was crazy. That was definitely... It would be a movie that I'd go see. That's all I'm saying. I I think I would probably go see it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't seen Atlantis, that's a a good character reference. (laughs) The mom in you. So not not Midnight Express. Yeah. But if you haven't seen Atlantis, you should probably check it out. Midnight Express was made in 1975, so it's a little older. I definitely haven't seen it. Yeah, no. The only... I was like... I refuse... This is a weird thing for me. I have weird things. Uh, You'll figure it out. Oh, no, I know. I saw you out front of your house killing bugs with a slipper when I got here. So. Okay. <laughs> I There was one on me when I walked in my house, and I was like, oh, you mofos. I'm going to murder you. So then it was a vendetta that you had. Oh, I was pissed. I was like, how dare you touch me? me to die. Yeah, basically. And then I literally called. Michaela, whose fiance is an exterminator, and I was like, I need you to tell me what to do. And they called in the middle of us recording, and I was like, I'm sorry, I have to take Pause. this. <laughs> you need to know <laughs> about how important. to kill these bugs. Um, I don't know where I was going with this, but oh no, no, no! My weird thing is I refuse to watch black and white movies like until uh-huh. like two years ago. Oh, yep, yeah, that's a weird thing. Yeah, it was really, I don't know why, but I was like, I'm not watching it. <laughs> I get some sort of like, oh, this is what it was like when I'm watching them, I Well, feel. and then I watched It's a Wonderful Life, and I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. my life has changed. Yeah. And did you ever, uh, did you ever see the Wizard I've seen of one Oz? black and white. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I saw it in color, and I don't want to well, talk about beginning. it because I hate that movie so much. You do? I don't want to talk about why. We'll talk about it another day. Okay. But my mom used to make me watch it. All the time. Oh. That and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the old one or mm-hmm. the new one. Uh, no, never. Please don't. No. Yeah, they're they're a little creepy. I do love Gene Wilder. Wilder? Yeah. yeah. I think he just passed away he too. Did. Oh. Yeah, no, I definitely loved him, but. 
So, so on to shall what? we talk about murdery what? stuff real quick? <laughs> so, head scratch. I don't know. Maybe. Um, so, okay. Today I'm going to be talking about Arthur Shawcross. Do you have any idea who he is? I don't think so. Okay, cool. Of course, you've done this to me before where you started a story backwards. So I was like, no, I've never heard of it. Oh, yeah, I've heard of Amanda Knox. You're like, so. excuse me, yeah. you haven't? <laughs> I still haven't. Well, no, I mean, I have. Anyways, okay. So Arthur was born June 6, 1945 in Kittery, Maine. I love that it's called Kittery. Yeah. Anyways, um, to Arthur Sr. Okay. and Elizabeth. So his dad was a corporal in the army, so his mom moved him and his three siblings to her sister-in-law's in Watertown, New York. Um, so they moved there just while I think the father was kind of gone a lot because he was in the military, understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, so until he completed his time in the service, they moved in with their sister-in-law. Like just to stay with her? Yeah, we, yeah. so they okay. were living with her. Um, so growing up, he uh, was a frequent bedwetter. Oh. Like till a very late age, um, and was known to talk like a baby until he was six. Oh. Just to get attention. Okay. If, yeah, the bed wedding, eh. I mean, it Sometimes, happens. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I understand that it is a common trend. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, baby and talk, the, though. That's, that's a new one. Yeah. I've never heard that baby. mentioned before. Could you imagine? It would freak me out. I, Lincoln, every now and then, will, do, will say something He's young and little, so when he tries to say something, when he's trying to be cute, it turns into a baby voice, and it's weird that a four-year-old can do a babier voice than their already baby voice, but yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? He's, oh, can I, and then he'll, <clears throat> refined gentleman, can I please have a piece of candy? <laughs> I'm like, You're like, okay, I'm like, they're both cute, babe, yes, we'll get you a piece of candy. Yes, either way. <laughs> well, so he did it to gain attention, obviously. A little different. Yeah. And weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're six, and but I feel like it, it was definitely a very consistent thing that yeah. he talked to like all the. T- Could you imagine if Lincoln just talked to you all the time in a baby voice? Uh-uh. I'd be like, oh, uh. ah. And also, it seems like the parents that didn't try to correct that or like, hey, this is strange. Yeah. Just wait. Okay. Um. So we also it progressed into him running away to gain attention. So he just like the attention mm-hmm. um at school he started continuously bringing an iron bar to school okay yeah um because Baby talk, iron bar escalation <laughs> <laughs> so he was bullied but he also would bully like the younger kids like crazy so making them cry well. holding up this freaking iron bar mm-hmm. um he was a little... i would have stayed home a lot if he was around <laughs> yeah i was like mama can't take the bus yeah and she'd be like uh well why and i'd be like Iron bar. Iron bar. <laughs> you should be like, oh, yeah, you can't take the bus. <laughs> My mom would be like, I'm taking the bus with you. <laughs> I'll show him an iron bar. Yeah. My fist. <laughs> so he tested at below average intelligence and by eighth grade had been held back multiple times. And he ends up dropping out of school. Okay. So on to the weirder parts. Okay. So those were the It does somewhat, always get weirder. <laughs> those were somewhat normal. Uh, for him. Arthur was known to basically always have sex on the mind. Okay. That's not... That's uncalled. okay. That's He's a boy. Yeah. I should I was, finish this <laughs> sentence before yeah. I look at you. I was like, you said uh, on to the weirder things. He thought about sex a lot. So, okay. Normal. Get to the weirder things. 
<laughs> um, so that sprouted around the age of nine when he had his first sexual experience. Oh, yeah, that's early. Which consisted of him performing oral sex on his Aunt Dina. Oh, Jesus. That's not what I was expecting. I thought, like, a teddy bear and someone walked in on that. Nope. Uh, we'll just wait. <laughs> There's no That's where bears. you read the word oral. Uh, <laughs> Yikes. So, by the time he was 14, he said he was consistently having oral sex with also his sister, Jeannie, and his cousin, oh, Linda. just a lot of in-the-family stuff. Yeah, and so uh, this will become a thing. Oral sex is definitely his per... That's what he likes. Okay. He isn't... Oh. I'm thinking of Well, for obvious reasons, later. his... How old was his aunt? I don't know. That allowed a nine-year-old... I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of things with this that I'd like to pick apart, but... Can we not? <laughs> yeah. So that's so, why his preference... Oh, what I'm trying to say here is that's why he liked oral sex. Moving on. He also claimed... So this is a lot of the information I'm going to read you is stuff that he came out and said. Right. That he openly um, just... Yep. Okay. Eventually. Eventually, a lot of these... I think that a lot of people would categorize these as like perverts or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that, whatever the correct, they all tend to openly talk about their sexuality like, um, with oh, investigators but, yeah. or, a, yeah. Yeah. So he also said that his mom sodomized him with a broomstick. Oh my gosh. Um, but a, like all of these claims have been denied. Okay. So it's, he said, she said. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so he had a relationship with a girl down the street and uh, there was one time that he said he was performing, again, oral sex on her. And her brother walked in and said, I'm going to go tell mom and dad unless you do it to me too. Oh. And I was like, honestly, that motherfucker just was like, oh, I won't. T- don't, please don't tell him. I'll, I'll do it to you. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. Or, yeah, he, did that even happen? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who, yeah, who knows? It's just so strange, but... Yeah. So he also boasted about his sexual habits, claiming to have sex with a sheep. Okay, that one probably did happen. Cows? Probably did. How? A horse. How? They keep and... getting taller. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, that's, I guess, oh, wait, where your mind can go. Oral sex? Or... Uh, I believe it was, like, penetration sex. Okay. Um, and even killing a chicken in the process of attempting to have sex with it okay because where where i have so many questions <laughs> but i'm gonna refrain because i don't need to know the answer to this okay yep <laughs> yeah yeah I, w- I would like to not touch on any deeper i don't need sex those. ed with animals today what i don't need sex ed oh. <laughs> no no not i don't need sex i don't need sex education <laughs> no we heard sex ed with animals and I was like, <laughs> yeah i don't need sex education with animals. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> Thank you. Me, no, me neither. Um, so one day while he was walking home from school, he apparently, this is another thing he said, was picked up by a man driving and the man started performing oral sex on him. Okay. And when Arthur, so he... So wait, a man picks him up, is driving a vehicle, and then gives him... Well, like pulls over. Okay. And then is like, oh, I'm going to give you da 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 So then... Arthur couldn't, like, hold an erection. Mm-hmm. And apparently the man got angry and just violently sodomized him. And after this, Arthur said he could only orgasm while inflicting pain on himself. So, 
perhaps maybe none of these did take place and perhaps these are some I mean maybe they did obviously but maybe also these are some of his sexual fantasies yeah or maybe he was the driver but, I mean yeah, yeah either way I mean it I just think sounds that... like sexual fantasies that he's giving the excuse to why he needs pain I agree I agree that probably some of this mm-hmm. didn't happen but I also think may, some, some of, of it, it did, did. yeah well, definitely, sex, the incest kind of thing that's going on there probably did like, in that's some a ways. Crap ton of incest. Yeah. And I'm sure that's got to lead to some sort of, um, it just makes it yeah. crazier. <laughs> um, so, Arthur was just kind of jumping around from job to job when he got married to his first wife. They had a son, and about three years later, they divorced. Okay. So, then he was drafted into the army, and prior to leaving, he married his second wife, Linda. He began his tour in Vietnam where he would distribute ammunition to different areas. So he was kind of like in the jungle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like he was in the jungle. Yeah. So, so during... Definitely in the jungle. Yeah. During one of these distributions, he said he found two women hiding guns and proceeded to shoot one of them and then tie the other one to a tree. The woman that he shot was still alive and so he cut her head off. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Okay. I don't know why I read that so aggressively. <laughs> he... Cut her off. There was even like a pause before that. You were like, so he cut her head off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he put it on a stake for the Viet Cong to find. Good for him. Then he cut off some of her leg and roasted it and then performed oral sex and raped the other girl before killing her and chopping up her body. Oh my gosh. Of course he told all these. <laughs> yeah. You were. Before we started Destiny's portion of this segment, she was kind enough to say, mine's gross, get ready. She probably, we probably should have warned our audience too, hey, this is gross, get ready. We didn't do well, that. Well, here's your warning, because it gets a little grosser. Um, so he claimed to have done all of this and attacked multiple sex workers while he was there. But none of, So none of this has been proven. Like, they didn't find these bodies. They were in Vietnam. Like, mm-hmm. who knows if this happened? It sounds like this guy was an elaborate storyteller of his own fantasies. Mm-hmm. So some of it could be true, some of it. Yeah. Like, I do know that weird stuff happened at that in that war and during that time, though. So some of it could be true. Debatable. We'll yeah. S- I guess we'll never know. Um, so he returned home in 1969 to his wife, Lim- Linda, who had spent all of his money and was dating another man. According to him. Spent all of his money. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but they decided to stay together, and Arthur was transferred to Oklahoma to complete the remainder of his time in the Army. Did she get to keep her other boyfriend? <laughs> I think she left him Darn it. in okay. New York. Um, so Arthur started to beat her and at one point saw a psychiatrist who told him he needed to do a brief stint in the mental hospital, but his wife was very religious mm-hmm. and very against that. Oh, right. His wife. Yes. Was. The one that was cheating on him. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, it's all bad. Oh. Uh, so he ended up lighting, um, a mill on fire and then later lighting fire to a factory that he worked at. Oh, so, arson, my favorite. <laughs> You're like, oh, I did arson too. Yeah, two weeks I in did. a row. I, uh, well, not two weeks in a row, but I keep bringing... I, I have a fascination with arson stories. I have no fascination with arson. I should throw that out there. But I, whenever <laughs> I hear it. them, I'm just... It just... Why? But also, this guy claims to chop up bodies and that stuff, so... He does things. Yeah. Um, so, that he being has said, it all. <laughs> he was convicted of two counts of arson. 
and oh. sentenced to five years in prison. Okay. So while in prison, he said he was raped by multiple men, mm-hmm. but also returned the action. Mm-hmm. I was writing this up, and I was like, return the favor, and I was like, ah! No, uh, it, it, <laughs> wrong yeah. word. Wrong yeah. word. Action is he the He returned correct. the action and raped all of the attackers in retaliation. Right. Yes. Oh. So, I don't know. There might have been a lot of... I these, A on. lot of these stories, I just... I guess maybe I don't hear enough sides of the other part of it, but it's just... I totally get that that's what happens in prison, though. Yeah. Like, the prison, like, he... But that's kind of... Sounds like kind of his thing. He was probably into it. That's true. In 1971, he was granted early release for saving the life of a prison guard and married Penny. Okay. Penny, Penny. Sorry, I don't Wait, know why I did married that. Penny? Like, so he had a new wife? Yeah, he got divorced while he was in jail. Oh, sorry, I, I, I that, didn't. I think. No, I didn't say that. Okay. Yeah. So thank you for asking. Yes. <laughs> he got or, um he got divorced while he was in prison for the arson. Uh-huh. He saved a prison guard, got early release, married Penny. Okay. Maybe this wife will let him see the psychiatrist. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, oh, Penny was a friend of his sister, Jeannie. And the, so this is... Is this Jeannie that he's performed oral sex mm-hmm. on? Yep. Okay. So this is like hearsay. This is what he said. He's He said that he was performing... They were still having a relationship at this time. Uh-huh. And... Penny? No. Jeannie and Arthur. Like, as an brother adult? Brother and sister. As adult. An, okay. Oral sexual relationship. But okay. she was engaged and uh-huh. had gotten pregnant. So he, they couldn't continue this relationship. So he's, she's like, here's Penny. Oh, right. Be so she presented her. him with Penny Because instead. I can't. I can't fulfill your needs any further. Yes. Oh, this is weird. This so, is, I've definitely never heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> so he was accused of assaulting Penny's younger sister, but no charges or anything came from it. He denied that he ever did. Right. So I'm honestly kind of believing the guy because mm-hmm. he's very boastful about the things that he may or may not have done. Right. The things that he did do sound the weirdest or yeah. that he claims to have done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he started fishing a lot and getting to know a lot of different children around town. And this is when he met Jack. Okay. So he, at one point he like went to Jack's house and Jack's a 10 year old boy. Oh, should have should have said said that right at the top. Yeah. So Jack's a ten year old boy. He went to Jack's house and was like, "Hey, can Jack come fishing with me?" And his oh, mom's no. like, "His mom's like, uh, no, no, you can't." No. And I'm like, "Good job," because this is a set like early seventies. Like you'd be like, "Oh, it's just this nice like maybe father figure type guy, even if he mm-hmm. has a father, but like another guy." Which reminds me, real quick, this is a tiny side story that reminds me, though, that Travis, my husband, who is a tall man, or not tall, he's mildly tall man, long hair, I'm just giving, set the scene, some people refer to him as the guy that looks like Jesus, um, was taking our dog on, or we have a puppy, taking her on a walk the other day, because otherwise she won't go to sleep, so he takes her on a really long walk and um, took Lincoln with him, but <laughs> she recently has started to not be super friendly with or she'll just randomly start barking but then she's okay with people and we're i'm like we gotta nip this in the butt so yeah um he they go walking by a house and um lincoln sees two girls and he's talking to them but he travis is like they're like five or six and but for whatever reason bowie seemed to be okay with them and that doesn't happen very much right now so he had like Travis like walked up and um you know Lincoln's talking to the girls and they're out front and he's like and I'm just trying to get the dog to like somebody so I'm like sitting down and I'm like here pet her here pet and then he goes halfway through it I'm like 
I'm a grown man out front of someone's house talking to two young girls. And he's like, Lincoln, let's go. Lincoln, let's go. But apparently, um, like, grandma came out and she was holding the little baby, like a newborn kitten or something. And oh, so, okay. But he's telling me the story and then, you know, I go in and brush my teeth and I come back and I'm like, you know, maybe the grandma came out because she looked and was like, who's the long-haired creepy man outside? He goes, I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> but it is crazy because of dudes like this. That's yeah. what I was, I told that to Travis and I had said, think of it backwards. You and me are inside. Lincoln's in the front yard. A long, a man with long hair walks up with a puppy and is like, here, touch my puppy. He's like, I was that guy. <laughs> well, like, the positive is that Lincoln was with him. And yes, and in, and in Travis, yes, that's that's what he said. And I was like, Travis, no, no, many predators use that as an inside. Yeah, Trust like, me, you your true cr- yeah, your true crime wife here is here to tell you <laughs> that uh, that's a, that's just an inside. You're using your child. Second, um, he, it was just it was just hilarious to me that he was like, oh no, it was me. <laughs> I was that I'm guy. that person. Yes. So well, as soon as you told that, I was like, well. Oh, that's Travis. On that note. Yeah, that's Travis. Um, so on June 4th, 1972, Jack went outside to play and disappeared. <laughs> so this is about four months after he had asked, like, hey, can I hang out with your son? Mm-hmm. No, you weirdo. You um, grown man. <laughs> so his mother was looking everywhere for him and even went to Arthur's to see if he might be there. And he was like, no, I saw him this morning, but no, I haven't seen him. Oh, no. And so the search continued. Three months later, the body of eight-year-old Karen Ann Hill was found, raped, mutilated, and strangled. Ugh. Witnesses had seen Karen and Arthur. Tell me about the kids. He did, kind of. I did. Okay. Um. So witnesses had seen Karen and Arthur earlier that day. So they brought him in for questioning. After hours, he came clean and ended up pleading guilty to manslaughter. Okay. Um. So there wasn't a lot of evidence to go on, and so they're like plea bargain, plea bargain, we're going to do what we can just to get a guilty sentence. Mm -hmm. Manslaughter, like rape, mutilated, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, So he was sentenced to 25 years. So Arthur also during this, apparently, I'm not exactly sure how it went, but he ended up admitting to um, the murder of Jack. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but... Gosh. Yeah. And but still only got 25 years for manslaughter. So he admitted... Well, probably because they needed to find the body. So they said, you won't be charged with this if you can tell us where the body is. You'll be charged with this one. That's how they get it out of them. So he took Jack apparently into the woods. And after making him get naked, he forced him to run through the woods. And then he chased him and sexually molested him before finally strangling him. I was tuning out just then, so you guys tell me how that went. Uh, But you should probably continue to tune out because there's a really sad part. Well, tell me when it's going to come. It's right now. God damn it. Later, Arthur admitted to removing the boy's heart and genitals and eating them. Did they find his body? Can they confirm that actually happened? Uh, I believe so. Oh, God. Um, So this man, and I blame so many things. But also that wife who didn't get him the help that he truly needed way back when he truly needed it. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of different things. Let's not blame the wife. (laughs) Let's not blame anybody besides this twisted man. Yeah. But, yeah. So Sorry, wife. (laughs) Didn't mean to. Okay, moving on. His years in prison started a little rough, but he ended up becoming an ideal prisoner. And during his incarceration, he was seen by multiple psychiatrists. Multiple psychiatrists said he was normal. He was fine. Um, he, I guess, was just a committed freaking crazy crimes. Or he's very, very, very good at deception. No, because he, and he's not very smart. Oh, well, 
Okay. I mean, he still could be good at deception, but he's, like, they say he's mildly, possibly handicapped. So that's probably why, for, maybe they're grading him off of a, a grading curve. Yeah. But, I mean, he also, the way that he tests is also, later on, isn't. That's so, so strange. It is. It's very weird. Um, but then also, other psychiatrists are like, he definitely has a personality disorder um, in abnormal character traits with psychosexual tendencies. Yeah. So he's like 50-50 with these. He had like, I think, I want to know the people now. that are giving him, oh, he's fine. I'd like to know them on a, you know, just a personal basis. So why is he fine? <laughs> Who are you into? What, what shows do you watch? I can base that off of your judgment. What school did you go? <laughs> yeah. I don't approve. I need to see your credentials. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yikes. So despite all the reports, Arthur was released early in 1987 after serving only 15 years. Uh, so once he was released... My angry noise. <laughs> so he, then another divorce happened. Once he was released, he moved in with Rose um, and they had like been and writing... Rose's... Rose. He moved in with Rose, who was a pen pal. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. right. Um, so they hopped around multiple cities in New York, mainly because any time the community got wind of him being there, they would show up like with mobs to get rid of him or they would just like demand he left. I did confirm that a town can literally kick you out. Like not, it doesn't even have to be the people, but they, a town or a state can say, Sorry, you're not welcome here. Really? Uh-huh. Yes. Thank you for confirming that, because I was very curious. Yes. Thank well, you, Murder and, Squad. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, also, I mean, we've had something, I don't know if you've read the newspapers and stuff in Kaiser, but there's been, like, a recent something like that here where people are freaking out. I mean, I follow a lot of crime stuff, but no. Yeah, no. So there's, like, something going around. I'm not, I don't want to get yeah. into that whole thing. But where it's, like, been in the Kaiser Times. It's been, like, To multiple... just get rid of a person? Well, not to get rid of them, but, like, aware or Make... be alert. Oh, They're here. here's this da, person. Da, 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 da. I Then in that case, I probably do know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, which yes. I, so I think it's, I, I mean, I find it very, just interesting. I'm not going to get into any of that. Right, the um, part of it where, but in this specific case, someone eating a heart, peace out, bro, don't stay in this state. Yeah, so May. they basically, they got kicked out of multiple cities. Mm-hmm. Um, he was still in New York, but he got kicked out of like everywhere. God, and he still had a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Ew. Ew. Okay, so that Christmas, um, Christmas time came. They had, like, established a house, everything like that. Um, and quote, he, normal. Yeah, quote, unquote, normal. Debatable. Mm-hmm. Not true. He's not normal. <laughs> Anyways, so he invited his family to come, like, visit for Christmas, and they just had a falling out. They're like, uh, no, we're not. We're oh, not they here. had a falling out? Hi, we heard everything you did. Bye. Also, you uh, may or may not have made a lot of stories up, or you just outed our dirty laundry. So. Oh, also, yeah, that. There's no, a lot. No, thank you. We don't want Because at this point, he has been on trial for all the things, and he did tell the investigators. You know, I'm not sure. Okay. Actually. Yeah, it's that's a weird dynamic. I just knew it came out eventually. Right. Um, so this so we'll him... assume probably not yet. Well, yeah. Okay. So this sent him into an angry, deep depression. He started dating Clara Neal. A new girlfriend. He's still with Rose. Oh, Rose is. Um, Yes. So he had a car that he would borrow frequently when Rose asked about his relationship with Clara. He said that he was just being nice so he could use her car. Oh. So Rose was like, why are you, like, dating this other girl? And he's like, I'm just trying to use her car, babe. You don't have a car, honey. I gotta get a car somewhere. So... (laughs) 
Arthur started frequenting Lake Avenue. Okay, so do you have a picture of this guy? I do. I sent it to you. Okay, good. Because this in, this has probably been the first time that I've... So the thing, the reason that I'm asking this is because... Oh, <laughs> well. Uh, because I was having a hard time picturing this person. This is... So this is... The first picture is him when he's... Com, like, most of the time he's committing these crimes. Yeah. Okay. So the second picture of this old man... I am certain I've seen this old man somewhere. Oh, really? Yes. And maybe it's just like in the general lineup of bad men that I... Bad people. Yes. I know I've seen that older picture. And him as an old man, yikes. I I looked at it and I was like, scroll, scroll, scroll. Uncomfortable. Can't do this. I mean, yeah. No, not that the picture of him as a young man is like comforting. Because he does look a little... There's vacant would be the word (laughs) yeah there's just something about it okay so this is this is this gives me a better picture of my imagery for the rest of the story okay perfect i just just for anyone that is listening and doesn't have access to look it up think thick neck small mouth big nose kind of like he is Bully. He looks like... Very thick neck. Yes. Thick neck, strong, strong strongish looking man, but also kind of... I'm trying to avoid the word doofus, (laughs) but he kind of looks... Like a doofus. Like the human version of the word doofus. (laughs) So, you will see. Yeah. Um, So, Arthur started frequenting Lake Avenue, which was known for having sex workers and drug dealers. He picked up Dorothy Blackburn and paid her $30 for mutual oral sex. Okay. So, okay. I mean, that's that's People. her job, so yep. that's different. Yep. <laughs> as long as well, nothing happens to her. So, while they were fooling around, she apparently bit him, and in retaliation, he bit a chunk of her off. Uh, of her? Oh, of her. <gasps> of her. Oh, no. Vagina. Oh, so they were like 69 I think they were, no, they were, oh, maybe. Because how else did she bite him? Well, I was thinking in the car, like, I go you, you go me. And well, then where would she like, have bit him? Maybe his Well, no, I think that, like, she was doing, like, when I thought about it. trying to picture this? When I thought about it, I just have to explain it. I was like, you oh. You put so- your hand <laughs> Destiny just went into full-blown acting out. <laughs> and now Ooh. I look like a chili pepper because I'm so <laughs> Even I'm red. <laughs> Alex okay. is a lucky man. Anyway, he's moving on. Oh, shit. Okay. Composure. Breathe. Okay. So what I pictured was she was like, he, he was like, <laughs> there's no way of Destiny to avoid describing what she thinks is going on in the car without her holding a head somewhere. I'm crying. <laughs> this is going well. Okay. So, so my hand is bitten off. We're not sure what part or how. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's just leave it there. Okay. Um. So he then tied her up and told her he was going to rape her. So this is his account on all of this. I just need to clarify. And so all of the descriptions of what had happened, these are all his accounts. Ugh, there's never and someone we... brought in for questioning or anything like that. Well, probably she would not have. I'm not going to lie to you. No. Oh. No, but there's no. Weird. No people. Well, I mean, he usually does it in secluded areas and... To people. I mean, in her case, understandable that maybe she didn't want to talk to police. But also, a part of her... Let me finish. Was, 
Oh. Because that's wrong. Oh. So, he then tied her up and told her he was going to rape her when she apparently started to taunt him. So, this is what he said. Mm. She's taunting me. He then strangled her. Perhaps defending herself. <laughs> and Well, he... see, but the way that he says it is she was, like, making fun of him, poking at him, making him, like, a lesser than. That's what I get for saying the word doofus, huh? <laughs> so, then he strangled her and threw her body in the river. I should note, by the way, when I say doofus... He's, uh, with this younger picture that we have of him, he's a good-looking guy. Like, he's not super ugly. He's not ridiculous-looking or anything like that. He's a good-looking human. He is, it says that he's five feet, and then there's a nine next to him. He's above five nine is what it looks like. He's super tall. And so probably I think that he wasn't always treated nice, and so if someone was talking... No, he was bullied. Yes. So when someone's talking mean to him, he probably was like... No, she was calling me stupid and ugly. Or, and who knows if that's even true. He yes. could have just been like, well, she was a bee to me, so uh, I was a, a murderer her. to her. Oh, yeah. Um, so then he, yeah, so he strangled her, threw her into the Genesee River. Okay. So some people might recognize Genesee River. Just a heads up. Okay. Uh, so then he cleaned up the car and returned it to Clara. So months went by. <laughs> And, I forgot he was using someone else's yeah, car. This was okay. not his car. Months later, um, the body, she, her body was found, but there was no evidence to link him to her because at this time it's freezing. So how cold it was, it like reserved her body, but also it was she was in water, so it took oh, away all preserved. the evidence. I was like, preserved, 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 preserved. Well, and preserved, yeah. kind of. Yeah, debatable. Yeah, everything's debatable. I think you preserve a body, you reserve seats, right? Save them. You're right. No, Debatable. you're right. Okay. Okay. Anyways, her body was still intact. Exactly. <laughs> so, not long after the body was found, his boss found out about his criminal background and fired him. Uh, good. I mean, it happens. Yeah. Um, you should have done a background check. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and <laughs> this is when he took... <laughs> you would say that with your job. <laughs> with my job. <laughs> um, the, I ask that question all the time. Mm-hmm. That is the one of the first questions... Can you pass a drug test? Can you pass a background check? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I get all the, I get this a lot. I have to just throw this out there. I get, oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh, is that a... You can tell by their yeah, yeah. which kind of background check they I'm can. like, oh, can you pass a background check? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, are you asking me? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I know a lot of places to look up. Plus, we do background checks, and a lot of our paperwork, once you, like, get hired somewhere, you have to sign that we can do a background check on you. Um, and so, I know places to look, and I'm like, well, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, liar, never talking to you. It, yeah. it also, it's alarming how many people will, yeah, I could pass a background check, and then you do a background check, and they were, like, felons to lots of weird criminal activity. It's strange 100%. that people yeah. are very confident. Sure, or, background check. Yeah, I can do, I can pass a drug test. <laughs> yes. Fucking meth. I'm you like, know? oh, this is no, this is awkward. So, anyways, uh, we won't say where Destiny works for a living, but <laughs> I do conduct background checks and drug tests. She helps people make a living. That's what I'll say. <laughs> um, okay, so oh, back to what we were talking about. Hard left. Um, so after this, so after his boss found out and fired him, he just got angry. And he took another victim, which was Anna Steffen. He picked her up and paid her for sex, but when he could not get an erection, he said she made fun of him. So he hit her, and she ran away, and then he jumped in the water, and he strangled her. 
Okay. Again, his account, right? Yes. Okay. Again, with also problems with an erection. Right. Oh, right. So, he then kind of goes cold until June of 1989 when he went fishing with a lady that he was having another affair with, Dorothy Keller. They spent the morning having sex and fishing when they ended up getting into a fight about his relationships um, with the two other women, Clara and Rose. And this... Wait. This is a... No, Dorothy. Is she also a sex worker or is no. she just some... She's no. just so a random person. No, this is somebody person. he's having an affair with. She worked at, like, the diner that he used to frequent. Okay. They started an affair. And they started talking about the sex workers that he was with? No, because he still has a girlfriend. Oh, and then Which he, turns into okay. a wife, Rose. And then he... She married him? He gets married again, yeah. Okay. And then Clara, who is his girlfriend. So... Dorothy knows well aware about these two other women. Okay, so she's aware of the fact and then brings it up while they're fishing. Yeah. Okay. She's like, well, what about you and them? Da, da, da. And then apparently he like accused her of taking his money. I don't really know how that went. But he got so angry that he took a log, struck her over the head, and it killed her right there. So he just kills another victim because they're fighting about the fact that he has two girlfriends. Oh, well, yeah. At this point, he has... I mean, he at has... At some point in this, he got married. So he has a wife and a girlfriend, and then he's having an affair with another girl. And the wife knows that he might have... About a... Clara. Yes. yes. Okay. I guess. Well, and but I think he was more like, I'm just being friendly with her. Like, we're not... This story screwing. is insane! <laughs> <laughs> so then there was another sex worker, the Patty Ives. Um, and so during that time, apparently she tried to take his wallet while they were together. And he caught her doing it, and he sodomized her and strangled her. So she started crying, and then he, like, attacked her and sodomized her and strangled her and hid her body at a construction site where they were fooling around. Okay. Are we going to get a final head count at the end of this? Yes. I can give you one because I – yeah, I know. Okay. Um, So then there was Francis Brown, who he said he killed by choking – Francis Brown is a woman, just so you know. Uh, I mean, I assumed – I mean, there was the first victim, who was a boy. But his name was not Francis. Francis could be a beau. Oh. Okay. I, I feel like I know a guy, Francis, and so I think... I mean, I know that our friend Frank... <laughs> I don't think... Is his, his name Frank? No, oh, okay. I think his name's just Frank. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. That's not... Mm. So, who cares if he... Whatever. I feel like anyway. Francis is a girl name, but, you know, I... I'm not Billy, here. Billy, Bobby. Yeah. Bobby's, yeah, that's pretty... Pretty boy, but still girls. Spencer. Yeah. Oh. I mean, if we're going to sit here, Blake, Ryan. <laughs> okay, we should uh. stop this now. Um, <laughs> cut that in the bud. So uh, there was Francis Brown, who he said that he killed by choking while she was giving him oral sex. Okay. So he said he basically hand it's movement again with <laughs> yeah. oral sex again. That, she cho- that he choked her well? That she she choked on his penis. Oh, bull crap. <laughs> and that he continued sure. to fornicate with her body after she had passed away. No, you killed her and then you... What's the word for having sex with Necrophilia. Yep, that's the thing. That'll come into play more. So then there was June Stotts, who was a friend of his and Rose's. So him and his wife. Uh-huh. And she had mental disabilities. And he he just took advantage of her. Um, she was at the river and he saw her. So the Genesee river again, and he saw her and he was like, Hey, you want to go for a ride? You want to go to the beach where he then ended up, they ended up having sex. He said something about how she wasn't a vir. This is his story. He right. said something about how she wasn't a virgin. She started freaking out. He held her mouth 
and accidentally suffocated her. Accidentally suffocated her. Well, this far into it, it's clear that he's very good at strangling people or making people die. So I'm going to go ahead and say it was an accident. Not an accident. Especially after. And also, this far into your story and admitting to this many murders and you're explaining them, why is this one an accident? I think because... She had she was, and she was close to the family. Like she right. had visited their house. Okay. But anyways, so he said, "This is how I know it wasn't an accident mm-hmm. because I'm pretty sure if it was an accident, he wouldn't cut her open, take out some of her organs and vagina, and eat them." I did not want that to reoccur again. Like I can't stop <laughs> thinking about the fact that he did it to a poor kid, and now he also did it to a poor woman with disabilities. So it's clear that. It's, it's it's always the people that he has some sort of dominance over. Because he hasn't done it to the women that are near his age. He's doing it to the... I mean, he did take um, a just, chunk out of a sex worker. Yeah, somehow. So. But how did it happen? We're not sure. <laughs> Later that... Well, in the, when her body was found, that was proven. Right. To be accurate. She, okay, so she was found that part of her body... It, yeah, it just took a long time. Okay. Um, in, well, remember, she was found in the water that had preserved her body and... Right. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, Preserved, so, reserve. <laughs> later that month, he picked up Maria Welch and said originally that she tried to take his wallet too, but later then said he just got mad at her because she started her period. Oh, gosh. So he killed her and once again left her body. There in are literally River. two types of men in this world. Ones that are mad that we have periods. The other ones are like, it's fine. We have showers. <laughs> And those men get married. <laughs> I just want to throw it out. Yeah, that just happened. So, <laughs> Not sorry. Um, then he picked up Darlene Trippy, and when he could not get an erection, said once again she taunted him, so he killed her. Right. By this time, the cops realized most of these murders were sex workers that frequented Lake Avenue. I so, mean, we're at nine, right? I've been trying to count. I feel like we're at seven. I'll give you a total head count okay. at the end of it. Um, so they started staking it out, but even then, even though they were staking it out, he was able to pick up June Cicero and strangle her her as well. A few days after killing her, he returned to where he left the body and cut her vagina from her body and ate it. This is so gross, obviously. I I mean, this is... Yeah. But I was so far into it, I couldn't stop. You're a, yeah. Um, uh, so the final this victim... Is, this is what make. I mean, when... This is why people think we're weird for being into true crime. We are not into this. No. But we have to know the whole story. Exactly. And just... Yeah. So the final victim was Felicia Stevens. He killed her, but said he doesn't remember how, just that he dumped her body by both Jean and Dorothy. He doesn't even remember how she died. No. He okay. said, all I can remember is she's African-American. Oh, that's mm-hmm. douchebag. Okay. Mm-hmm. So on January 3rd, 1990, he went to the bridge that overlooked where he had left Jean's body um, and the other bodies to enjoy a salad that he made at work. Luckily, there was a helicopter searching the area because they were, they were on to this guy and like, and somebody even yeah. died under their watch, to yeah. be honest. And so there was a helicopter searching the area and noticed that there was one single car. And what looked like possibly like a, the shape of a body under the sheet of ice in the river. Oh, no. Yeah. Jesus. Well, he dumped a bunch of the bodies in the river. Right. Um, so then he's like, I'm going to go back and check it out. And he said that, well, the reason why he kept going and back and checking it out is because he would go there and then visualize himself fornicating with the dead body. Right. Because, A, 
return to the crime scene is mm-hmm. a huge thing for them. But also, this guy clearly fantasizes half of... I mean, who knows about his childhood as far as... So his, fantasi- his fantasies started, and now as an adult, he's out living those fantasies. And then when he's not, he's literally just fantasizing. Yeah. So, Jesus. once the helicopter approached, Arthur took off, and the helicopter cops called the police, and they're like, intercept this guy... Um, it's just very, it's, we think something's out. We know he's not just enjoying a salad. Yeah. So he drove to Rosa's work, his wife's work, which was an adult foster, or like an adult home. Where she worked. Yeah. So the cops follow him in, take him into custody, are questioning him, and they let him go, um, but they're, he's under a lot of surveillance. So then they ended up picking up him up again the next morning just to be like, hey, there's some inconsistencies, let's talk. So, they ended up talking, and like all, he held off for a while. Not like all, but like some. He held off for a while, and then he admitted to all the murders. Yeah, like most. Some also do. He pleaded innocent, even after admitting that he was guilty of, like, all of these murders. Even, I'm sorry, okay. I do not always understand the judicial, 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 good lord, that was hard, um, system, but... I know that sometimes a different plea will get you a different sentence and all of that, but he, what I'm trying to clarify here is he explained in detail all of his crimes and then... I don't think he explained at this point. He just oh, admitted that he had killed people. That's, okay, that's what I was asking. Um, and so with this, his total headcount was, I believe, 11. Okay. Um, and we had to go through all of them in detail. Well, Thank you, Destiny. So <laughs> after the initial one with the child... His parole, or his probation officer was quoted saying, and not, this isn't a direct quote, but he said something like, you, this is a terrible mistake. This guy is going, you're letting out, like, one of the most prolific murderers this area has seen. Well, yeah, because he claimed that he ate the heart and genitals of a 10-year-old. Yeah. Like, ah, I agree. (laughs) And also, why was he ever let out? Exactly. So... Even after admitting to it, he said he was innocent, blah, blah, blah. And after a number of psychological tests, ultimately he was deemed an emotionally unstable, this is a quote, an emotionally unstable, learning disabled, genetically impaired, biochemically disordered, neurologically damaged individual. And then more stuff about basically him having personality disorders. Quite possibly every single human negative or human just disorder that you can have they're like he's got it yeah you guys let him out for this long so after only six and a half hours he was found guilty and sentenced to 250 years in jail okay and then so but he went to jail Mm -hmm. and or prison and as of in september of 1999 he was caught selling um his art on ebay oh prison in prison. Yeah. So somebody was, like, putting it on eBay for him. Oh, probably... I was like, well, maybe he was. <laughs> I mean, he... this was in 1999. Oh. We don't even know if there was cameras in yours in 1999, let alone That's people. That's true. I and... didn't say. And for a man, a billionaire. <laughs> there exactly. were definitely cameras in 1999. <laughs> but I should, we, we don't know. If, yeah, that. we definitely know that. But I feel like there had to have been cameras. Anyways, but in 2003, um, he was on some British show, which is maybe where you saw him. Well, the picture, I was going to wait until the very end, but the picture that you have that you sent me is 
why I know, why I'm pretty sure I know him is it's him during an interview. And I specifically remember this interview and he's just talking and talking and talking. And then there's also somewhere an officer, maybe someone who was interrogating him saying, we're pretty sure this guy's a bullshitter. That's all I remember of the story, though. I and maybe it's like Netflix. I'm a, I am so curious as to how the heck I know that picture from this interview. So in 2003, mm-hmm. he was on some British show about cannibalism. Oh, maybe I. So that's maybe. why I was saying maybe that could have been it. Uh, yeah. No, but, I think I think this is something on Netflix. Possibly. Uh, I would say um, ID I mean, channel maybe? definitely. Okay, but also. I'm subscribed to the ID channel, and so this is why it's very hard for me to know if I've heard of a specific murder. I mean, I'll tell you if I've heard of a few, but this guy specifically, I could not have told you. And also the details of the story, the, uh, I think that whatever I did here, yeah, not, but that specific picture of him, I feel like I've seen him telling his stupid story. Well, I mean, and it, that's all that I've really heard is that in 2003, he was on that British show, mm-hmm. um, and he bragged about slicing out and eating the vulvas of three of oh, his victims. You say it so casually. She says it while she's itching her back, by the way. Just, oh, the vulvas. <laughs> Ugh. I'm not an awful person. Anyways, Arthur was held at the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York, until he died in November on November 10th, 2008. Ugh, thank you. Okay. So he's dead. But that's why I'm like, I don't really know what you might have saw. Like, there probably wasn't a lot because of back when it was. It's not like Netflix nowadays where everything, you find out anything about anybody. I'm mm-hmm. Well, whatever I did, I mean, I know that it's not recently that I've seen this. So, yeah. But whatever it is, just that specific interview picture... I've totally seen it before, but unfortunately, your girl has been deep with layers and layers. Oh, God, yeah. I've watched every episode of fucking Snapped, and you don't yeah. know who you live next to, and Yeah, it everything. could be, it truly could even be Forensic Files at this point. There are 22 seasons. So, and then, it's something. You saw it somewhere. Yeah. Let me know when you figure it out, though, <laughs> I, I want to watch it, so. It'll be about an hour after this. And I'm like, You're like, hey. actually, you text me on your way home. So, I was Googling this while I was <laughs> driving. Still in your driveway? I text you, I found him. I'm like, how long have you been out there? So, that was my story. And boy, was that a story. For anyone who started this and was ready for my, what I would probably, compared to yours, (laughs) mine is literally a light crime. (laughs) He was sentenced, mine was a debatable crime. That's what I kept thinking the whole time. I'm like, nah, debatable. Yours, even if it's debatable, it's still all bad. (laughs) Bad man. I think we should always just be prepared that yours might be heavy compared to mine. Dark and grimy. This should have been the light and heavy crime-wise. <laughs> <laughs> like, heavy crimes. Brought to you by Destiny, who's ready to ruin your night. <laughs> light crimes for, I don't know. For those the of you The boring like, people. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I guess I did in a few episodes ago, I did talk about arson and a lot of children died. So, you Ooh. know what? Hey, Crimes suck, and we're here to talk about it. We don't know why. That's very true. That's we're very into true. it. I tried to go light one time. It yeah. didn't work out. It still was very dark. That podcast doesn't exist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and tune in next Tuesday for my light crime podcast <laughs> about he also never went. She's, oh, no. <laughs> she was about to go into more detail about He had some light crime. In oh, his previous, like, I don't care. When he went from job to job, there was like some theft, theft. and things like that, right. which I didn't throw in there, but... Because they seem unimportant compared to 
murder, rape, mutilation, of cannibalism, cannibalism. <laughs> and possibly incest. It's weird saying cannibalism with someone at the same time and making eye contact. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't do that again. So, anywho. <laughs> now we avoid eye contact. This concludes this week's. Uh, tune in next week for more death. Bye. <laughs> kind of kidding but also this is the part where we ask you to um continue listening to us please and um if you like to hear us talk about this stuff it's bad please do the following subscribe or follow us on instagram which is crime wives podcast we're also crime wives podcast on twitter and facebook our facebook page we don't do a ton there so instagram is if you want to get in contact with us chat with us any of that stuff let us know stuff instagram is the place to do it so yeah definitely yeah that's crime wives podcast but we do also have an email it's crime wives podcast at gmail.com good place to send us suggestions if you ever want to hear stuff but we have had people send us suggestions outside of that like facebook is a good place that people reach out to me personally or yeah i have people like send me like i had somebody on snapchat they were like what about this one i'm like oh okay (laughs) yeah and that's and as we mentioned last week um and we're gonna keep on doing it if you write a review and rate us and um subscribe to us on our apple podcast or honestly anywhere if you subscribe to us anywhere if you rate and review and then leave a comment we will shout you out at the end and currently the only person that we know by name is jake oh also my husband (laughs) but then there was somebody else there is there is somebody that we um that i am unaware of i don't necessarily know this person um by name but they did write a review yeah, give um, me. It is. I know it. It's Pondy sixty nine. Yes! Whoever. Ooh. <laughs> oh, you should leave a name. Seems next fake. Time. Seems fake. <laughs> it was me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> thank you, Destiny, for telling <laughs> no, us to me. keep doing what we're doing. Um, but thank you, Pondy sixty nine, for being a huge fan. Yeah, that's what you said. Thank you. And if anyone else wants to do it, we'll shout you out. I mean, I know right now it's not that big of a thing, but to us, it's a huge thing. Yeah, we so. look at it and we're like, oh <laughs> yeah. If you want to make our day like us follow us subscribe to us talk to us yeah send us a message um especially on instagram because if you want to reply from us really quick that's that's where the place to get it but also if you want to hear something on our podcast we'll talk about it if it's not something we haven't already talked about before please don't send us ted bundy <laughs> we'll do him eventually but everyone knows ted bundy <laughs> yeah yeah everyone knows the story but yeah so anything else i mean it's for the most part it's pretty open honestly if you want and, and if you want to know more i mean yeah just tell us yeah we did and again we did have someone who wrote to us on facebook and said please do something local both of us she asked if she if we could do something both of us local and so we're totally going to we're working on right now the places that we're traveling to and then after we're done traveling we're gonna do a local one don't you worry don't you worry we got you yes and thanks for liking us (laughs) yeah 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 you guys thanks so much for listening um i think with that crime webs out